0: You're listening to, to the Show We Go Baseball podcast.
1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome into episode 62 of To the Show We Go. We got Chris Henrique and myself, Andrew Parker. Uh, today's episode it is the Stephen Nogoick episode. Um, if you are too familiar with him, I know we do have a lot of New England following, but I know we're starting to to venture out a little bit. but he was a Red Sox prospect uh, once once upon a time., uh, we had him on a show probably last off season. To, and we we talked about the trade and we talked about you know his time there and everything. But this one we're gonna veer towards, you know the the present. like what's? what's going on in 2023 for him uh he spent it with he's been with the Mets for the past few seasons and then he went over to a different system uh, and I, I'm going to get into that here first but um and then you're the newest Washington National now uh, actually just this week you were uh you were signed that at least it got announced this week so uh Stephen I'm going to steal my first question from my guy Chris over here because he brought it up to me and I was curious about it too but how how did the fire pit go the what? Last time we talked to you, you were building a fire pit a in the backyard.
0: Pit. Oh. Um, it works. Um, it did not turn out how I wanted. There's just there was way more gravel and rock and like big boulders in the soil that I didn't realize. Um, and so with the shovel, that's just not. It didn't pan out how I wanted to. It still looks good. I made it look pretty. Um, but if once the new homeowner, when we, if we ever sell this house is going to look at it and dig it up and kind of be like, oh, okay, what in the world is going on here? (laughs) But we got the job done. Um, the biggest thing was keeping the dogs out of the fire pit. (laughs) Um, because they, before it was just kind of like a top layer of frozen soil that had been in there. And so now it's all fresh fresh dirt and they just wanted to get in there and dig, but it panned out. It worked. Um, it's not a professional job, but it does the job.
1: So I, I think I remember when we had you on last off season, uh, you were, I think in the middle of building it or you were very early on. Um, yeah. so I figured it was probably done by now, but was just curious how the, yeah, update I,
0: went. Yeah. I finished it last off season. Um, and yeah, I've used it a few times this year. Uh, the wife's not a big fan of it because she doesn't want to sit out in the cold, no matter how good the fire is when the house is right there. It's fair. Yeah. I
1: can't, can't argue with it, I guess, yeah. but, um, all right. Well, I did want to, uh, kind of jump into a little bit of your previous season here. I know mm-hmm. you were with two different works. Obviously you were at New York, then you finished it off in Arizona system. Yeah. Um, what, what was twenty three? Uh, your 2023? I guess um, if you had to kind of talk about it a little bit and just um, now that you're into the off season, well, actually about to report this month, but like how did it go for you? Like what were some takeaways you had from your 23 as a whole?
0: Um, It was definitely a struggle. Uh, it wasn't my best year. Um, I think there was a lot of things that I tried to change and, not necessarily become a new pitcher, but, you know, try to get on the trend of the sweeper and throw that more. And it took away from what I do best and my strengths in the uh, hard slot, hard slider, big fastball, you know, attack the zone. Um, And I didn't have the same stuff that I had in 22 when I had all the success. Um, But I think it, All in all, I think it was a big learning experience. And then uh, my time with the Mets, like I still love them, still have great relationships with the Mets. Um, And I think transitioning to Arizona, they were more on the trend of get back to your hard slider, get back to where you were in 22. And it started off great. I started throwing the ball really well, Um, even in the PCL with the high elevation where My fastball wasn't what it normally was um, with the invisible elevation kind of takes that away, Um, but I was still able to adjust, attack the zone, and and have success, Um, and then kind of saw that my velo was down from the year before and try to make some adjustments, and that's when it went down the rabbit hole, and it wasn't great. But um, finished the year strong, and I was happy with how I finished. And I think there was a lot to build off of um, from that. And so coming into the 23 offseason, it was getting back to what I do best in a big fastball, hard slider. And there's been a huge emphasis on that and uh, added a curveball that I I really like. And I think it's going to be a big weapon for me uh, this year against lefties. And just getting back to – you know, where I was in 22 stuff wise, but also mentality wise, body wise, strength wise, everything. Um, Cause I felt like in 22, that's, that's where my stuff was meant to be. And so the whole offseason was spent on getting back to that and improving it. Um, and I feel very, very confident going into 2024 with the stuff I have, where my body's at, where my mind's at. Um, and I'm super excited about joining the Nationals organization. I played in the International League for five years. And so I'm comfortable there. I'm comfortable in the Northeast um, and comfortable with the NL East and ready to get to work. I can't wait to get down there.
2: You had mentioned um, with the pitch selection, and it seems like a lot of a lot of players are incorporating the sweeper or slider, however you want to you phrase that. Yeah. Why do you think that it maybe just didn't work for you?
0: I think we're, everyone's different. Right. And I think for me in, in 22, I I threw the sweeper as kind of a change of pace and, but it had, it felt comfortable, how it felt off the hand, the movement profile, all that was good. In 23, I just, I never really got a good feel for it. You know, I was trying to have it as my primary off speed. And I think that's where, you know, if you aren't confident in your second pitch it kind of messes with everything else and that's kind of how it was is i wasn't confident in the sweeper um but on the scattering reports and, and that it said the sweeper this the pitch to throw to the guy but if you aren't confident in it i look back now and i'm like don't. Oh. in the moment you're you're trying to make the best decisions but obviously when you look back hindsight 2020 you're like ah, maybe that wasn't the best decision right and we look at the results and that, um, but I think for certain guys, the sweeper works and for certain guys, the sweeper doesn't. And that's where all of us are unique. There, no two sweepers are the same. No two sliders are the same. Right. And so you have to find what you do best, what you're most comfortable with, and also what you execute the best. Cause you can have a, I could have a sweeper now that's, you know, right where I want it to be, but if I can't execute it, it's worthless. So I think that's where, kind of going back to the hard slider of where I was in 22, where my execution rate was high, the pitch of it, the pitch itself was good, the profile is good. Now that gives me the confidence to go out and, you know, when it's, if it's a 2-1 count with second and third, one out, and I got to execute here, I'm confident that I can Instead of the sweeper where it was kind of like, Ugh, I, don't, I don't know how this is going to go. So –
1: it is always interesting to me to hear like the origin stories behind those because we we had uh, Nick Robertson on a few episodes ago. He's um, with the Cardinals now, but he um, the, the, how he originated it and it's been a successful pitch for him. Uh, he got traded to the Red Sox this past year. Now he's been traded to the Cards, but that's like one of his like go-to pitches. And then you have a guy also like here Nick Pavetta talking about his Whirly Bird, Sweeper Swider, yeah. pitch, whatever he wants to call it um and how successful it made him this past season he wasn't even throwing that like before this past season and he's been in the league yeah. for like six years now it's like it's kind of crazy man it's uh it'll work for some guys like you said for yourself just didn't work for you
2: yeah, yeah. to jump on that too do you think that that's like because it feels like a lot of the the red socks are, are heavy into that there's a lot of guys on the socks yeah. in New York that are doing that do you think that that's just kind of like the flavor of the month type of thing right now you know what I mean? Like some analytics guy said that this works and now a shit ton of people are, are
0: doing it. And well, then or. I think it's a little combination of both, right? It's kind of like the wave of the four seam up in the zone. Right. All of a sudden the league, that took the league by storm and then all, all of us started doing it. And then now like you'll constantly see these trends and that's been in the game since baseball started of, Hey, what's working? What across the league are hitters not seen and, you know, then the hitters adjust to what we're doing and then we have to make a change. And it's the game within the game, I think, or I think it's the game. Like <laughs> I think uh, when something like this happens to where, you know, sweepers are the big thing right now, everyone's kind of throwing a sweeper. You're starting to see sweeper on the scoreboard and it's not labeled as a slider. And I think, you know, it works for some guys. And like you said, there's certain guys that it's it's their pitch, right? And I think everyone, as soon as, just like when four-seam started taking the league by storm, everyone tried to throw a four-seam, but then there are certain guys who are like, that's not my strength. I'm going to stick to what I'm doing. I just got to execute it in these different ways to be successful, right? Ida was was a huge impact on me because of how he constantly talked about you know, every year I try to do something different. I have to. If you do the same thing every single year, they're going to catch on. And they're, when you face a guy ten times in a season, by that fifth time, they're like, I, I know what he's going to try to do to me. I know what he's going to throw me. I know in which counts he's going to throw certain pitches. And so you have to be different. You have to constantly change what you're doing. And, you know, you may throw a right-on-right changeup to a guy that you faced eight times this year because you've never thrown them a right-on-right changeup, and it's not on the scouting report. But it produces an out, and you're like, then you go back to what you do. So there's certain things that are going to constantly be kind of new waves coming in to baseball, and I think the sweeper is that new wave of kind of everyone's trying it, and then you learn whether you can do it or not. Um, it doesn't mean that hard sliders aren't still really really good it doesn't mean that a fastball down the way isn't still isn't the hardest pitch to hit in baseball and so there's certain things that are staples but there's always going to be the new wave of something that guys are trying to do to get guys out because that's our whole job is just trying to find new ways to get guys out
1: so we've talked to quite a few guys uh this offseason that you know have been Absolutely hyping up. they We've talked to quite a few crusty guys. There's been some guys working out uh, out West Coast. I saw you were with Tread, um yeah. which has a pretty good reputation in their own. So, um, how has that? How has that changed your off season? I guess just, just like being in there and just being around like the the minds there. Because I I always hear guys down in Florida like there's a million guys in, in Florida yeah. crusty all you see like is they're pumping out all the stuff on Instagram and yep. you know they're hyping up they're like oh well like all the best minds go here so like I guess how has it been for you with at uh, Tread this offseason
0: uh I, I love Tread um I love my coach at Tread Drew Hall um he's been he's helped me out a bunch and so I work remotely obviously because I'm in Oregon um and out in Oregon we don't have a ton of stuff we have you know driveline in Seattle in Arizona um when I was with Arizona there was just a lot of guys who work with tread and I was I was seeing all their stuff on Instagram I was like you know what I'm gonna give this a try and because I just I didn't feel right on the mound and trying to figure some stuff out and one thing about uh like tread or driveline or whatever Cresty you go to like it's not going to be an overnight change Right, right. You're going to have to put in the work and, and really because you're trying to like for me, I'm trying to break it habits that I've had for 20 years ever since I was a little kid. Right. And it's like this is my timing. And it's like, well, now we have to break that time. All right. And being able to get the mocap reports and it's like, this is how your body's moving. This is how we're going to benefit you. And this is how you're going to throw 98. Or for me, it was just getting back to 95, 97 that I was in 22 instead of being 93, 95. Like anything over 97, that's just, that's just a plus. Um, and working with them every single day and throw, like even if I'm thrown in my garage, I would post a video on the garage door, post on my phone on the garage door, take a video, send it to him. He'd respond that night and be like, Hey, this, these are my thoughts on it. Right. And then you go out and you kind of feel what he's saying. And then when I went out to tread for, for pro day, we got like a week free, for pro day and I mean they instantly made me feel way more comfortable on the mound in a matter of three days just by loosening everything up being loose being free getting back to being athletic and it was like bam right away all of a sudden I set a new PR for my indoor velocity um, off a mound and it's like oh okay that's cool that's exciting to see like I haven't hit 93 off an indoor mound ever and then I just sat 93 in Pro Day. So that's exciting. So,
1: was this your first offseason? This was your first offseason uh, with Tread?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. And I guess now that you're, you've signed and you have a report date now, um, I, what was, I guess, just your biggest takeaway on whatever you were doing previously to what you're doing now?
0: i think the big thing is in the past i had this huge emphasis on the weight room training and i would you know work out work out and then go throw and this year dan straley i don't know if you guys remember that name yeah uh, so we've worked out for the past five off seasons together and he was like hey this year i have a new plan for us and i was like okay and he's like let's take 80% of our energy and focus on pitching. And then we'll save the 20% for the workouts. Like let's put our focus on throwing and emphasize that because that's what we get paid to do instead of draining ourselves in the weight room and then having an exhausted throwing session. And so I think instantly that made us better because we're focusing all of our energy on the thing we actually do why and then have the weight room complement us on the mound right and so that instantly made us like in the weight room yeah we're still getting just as much work in and we're still grinding just as hard working just as hard doing just as much for a workout but we spent extra a longer time while we were fresh on the mound doing what we needed to do so instead of you know throwing where you know you're exhausted from the workout and you just can't get as much on the fastball and, or as much on the slider, you don't have the same feeling because you're exhausted from an hour and a half long workout. It's well, I'm perfectly fresh. So let's rock and roll. And then the workout, it's like the workout, you, you get in a different mode and you just go right. Like for me, I, I'm not a huge weight. Like I, I don't like running. I, I hate it. Actually. It's one of my, one of favorite, us, least favorite things in the world, but running, I can sit there and get in a different mindset and just run and get it, get it done, get my workout done, and then be good. But if I'm exhausted from the run and the lift, and then I go try to throw, right, well, I'm cutting into how how much focus I can really get into all 60 throws I make that day. So pushing it to the front is I can focus on all 60 throws and have perfect focus for that, and emphasize that, then do my workout, and then my run is just clear-minded just get it done right and so I think that's really really helps us with our training and also something with tread that really helped me is like not only am I making those 60 throws I'm looking I'm recording every single throw and looking at every little detail in order to the point where I'm at now now it's just muscle memory because I've done so many awkward reps that felt horrible well now it feels good and now it's fluid and now it's coming out better and everything's good and it's like okay, now that's where the next level of my training has really taken place is like now it's just I'm throwing – it looks the same full speed, but if you really slow down my arms in a completely different position, I'm able to use my legs and generate power and have hip-shoulder separation and get out in front with the ball and have that front leg lock and all this stuff that it's like that's what's going to generate and get me back to 95-97 instead of being 93-95.
1: I want to switch lanes here. Obviously, uh, we, we touched on it earlier, but you're newly signed to the uh, Washington nationals organization. Um, cool. so that's you, you're already uh, familiar with the international league. I was yep. spending some time with New York and, uh, just being in Northeast, like you said, but, um, what, what drew you to, uh, I guess to signing with the nationals.
0: Um, so we were talking with them for a while, um, and it was something to where, like, I I think because I've played against them so much, I've seen the organization, I, I've seen how they're ran, and it's like I, I like how they're run. It's a professional organization. Um, and talking to my agent who has, you know, a relationship with the coordinator and all that, he has relationships with everyone, but he's like, hey, I think you're going to mesh really well with, uh, the coordination over there and the coaches and front office staff. And I think it just and it was kind of a like, yeah, 100% you're right is when I signed and I talked to John Wolf, who's the pitching uh, coordinator over there. And it's just like it's like we've had 100 phone call conversations before right it was easy it was here here's the deal here's what we're thinking and it's like great i like that plan let's let's do this let's do this and it's just meshed really well and everything was just solid right and i'm like okay where i sign, i'm I'm very happy with and i'm just ready to get get out there and get to work
1: and um i did want to go and reverse a little bit here sorry i'm going out of order here oh, but did. i i did just remember that obviously you had uh it was actually a signing it wasn't even a trade last year when you switched organizations you got to choose where you went so um obviously being with an organization like arizona obviously they had a lot of success at the major league level um and what was i guess did you kind of have like the same mindset from when you were technically a free agent last season to Mm -hmm.
0: when you just were this offseason um i think the big thing with that was you know you're kind of Mid-season, you're kind of looking for a job. You're like, I'm hot. I'm ready to go. I don't want to sit for two weeks. And um, Ari- is, I think Arizona and someone on the – I'm totally blanking. Uh, a team on the East Coast, just – they, those were the first two offers I had, right? And I was talking to my agent. I was like, hey, like I get to go out West and – Be closer to home, be closer to family for the first time in my professional career, Arizona, I've heard nothing but amazing things about them. They're a young organization. Like, um, and my agent has very close friendships with the front office. And so they kind of said like, Hey, we'd love to have, and we want them out there. And I was like, all right, done deal. Let's do it. Right. And got out there and that organization is amazing. The way they, the way it's run, the way they support you, um, and I think that is reflected in, you know, them winning a World Series. When I think a lot of people would have been like, "Hey, congrats, you made playoffs!" Like, but you're not gonna. This is about it, right? And I think they surprised a lot of people, and I think they have a really, really bright future, and they aren't scared to, you know, they'll push a prospect to the big leagues as, as you've seen, and. But it's more they're they're ready for the big leagues. They have this emphasis of there's no moment too big, and um, down to the coaching staff and in Reno uh, with Lolly and and that it was just the emphasis was to win and win often. And I think that is a huge reflection throughout the organization and why they had so much success is I don't care if you have us down nine nothing, like the game's not over. We still have a chance um and so yeah I love love my time with them and so yeah
2: I like how there's there's more and more teams across the league that are being more aggressive with promoting mm-hmm. the players in the organization because yeah. when we, we as we as Andrew mentioned before but when we had Brian Abraham on uh we were talking about Shane Drowen who started out on fire I think it was like five and oh down in double A yeah. elevated up up to triple A mm-hmm. he was challenged there Saw some good things, saw some things that didn't really work for them, But I do like the fact that teams are doing that now. They, they are being more aggressive. with These younger players challenge you guys at different levels of, and I mean, even if the first go around may not work, at least you kind of get to see what didn't work or if it did work, it kind of yeah. does get you prepared for that, that ultimate next step. So I, I think teams that are doing more of that continue to do it. Cause I, I think it's only just going to, it's going to get, I think, fans too more acclimated to a lot of uh, to a bigger pool of players than when you know a player signs like oh, i never heard of this guy and then it's you know it gets get trashed yeah. on the social media piece so um i like that I, I think it's i think the game is definitely shifting in the right direction
0: i think there's a level of like having you know your prospects ready but then also valuing you know guys who have time and have done it and there's no, there's not, there's not a measurable stat of knowledge and experience, right? You can't measure a guy's knowledge on a computer, and so there's this level of, you know, if I have second, third, one out, and I'm like the situation I just talked about, two one, and I'm going to throw a slider, it's like, you know, I don't have to throw a a just cookie strike there, like I got to have the knowledge of like. I'm trying to get this guy to chase or roll over or just weak contact. And like if I walk him, like, okay, like now I have not play anywhere. Like, and those are that's a little knowledge of a game when the game starts speeding up that is irreplaceable. Right. And so when you have a guy, you know, when you see teams, because I've seen it on, well, I get X now, it's not Twitter on X. Uh, uh fans being like well why are we signing this 34 year old guy who hasn't who hasn't pitched in the big league since when-? it's like well do you understand how much knowledge and experience that guy has like you you put him in the big leagues he's going to sit there and be like yeah i've done this a while now like I, i'm pretty locked in like the stuff is the stuff like but when you get on the mound and all of a sudden there's situations where you know you can read a hit or swing i remember when i was 24 and got called up to the big leagues i wasn't reading the hitter swing i was just listening whatever wilson ramos or nito put down like fastball away okay i'm gonna try to throw a fastball away and then now it's like no now it's like if i throw a fastball and i you know i'm thinking that next pitch i'm gonna throw a slider and i look at his swing i'm like okay he's waiting for a slider right so those are the things i'm looking at now to where earlier in my career when i was younger it's like i wasn't. So there's the value of like your prospects that are ultra talented and able to do all the all these things and the value of a veteran like a veteran guy who has the knowledge and has the experience and has that. I think there's something to be said of kind of you need a a mix of that in uh, in your organization and in your locker room and I think that's exactly what you look at like the Diamondbacks. They had all this youth talent that was just unbelievable and then you had guys like Evan Longoria, who have 87 years in the big leagues. Yeah. And it's like that knowledge and, and could teach it to the the next generation that's coming up. And then, you know, those guys, the younger guys start looking at stuff like that. So I think there's, there's a good balance of that and what makes great teams.
1: Would you consider yourself a veteran at this point?
0: I've been called a veteran, and I don't like it. Because I think I'm like, I'm not there yet. Um, But, I mean, this is – I'm going on, what, my eighth, ninth year Pro Bowl? And it's – time's flying by. And I uh, I told – joking around with the wife, I was like, I'm closer to retiring than I – in the start of my career. And I was like, that's a crazy. Like, I mean, hopefully I can play to, you know, 35, 36. But that's – in. 36 is seven years away <laughs> and I was like and I started this eight nine years ago and I, um and I'm like I, I know I still have a lot left in me and I'm not close to done but I'm like looking I'm like I'm not a young buck anymore I'm kind of like and when I showed up in the uh, Reno locker room with the D-backs I was like the second oldest guy and I was like what in the world is going on like and by a by like a lot like everyone was 22 23 21 19 I'm like uh I get yeah and they were like hey like you're a veteran like Levi and I'm like I don't I don't want that title yet but so yeah
1: I was curious because uh I was I was kind of looking I'm like holy cow like and you you had just brought it up that you made your debut like I mean it feels like it's like been you know seven eight years ago at this point it's just like it's absolutely nuts and and I we're still on the right side of 30 I know uh um i was i'm a 94 kid you're 95 like we're we're floating right there right before we do hit 30 and the knees start creaking in the morning so um (laughs) we're we're a little close to that point but yeah um part of my question though i wanted to ask the veteran thing so you're going into a new system new spring training complex new teammates coaches everything um i guess my question would be like what are you going to do that that maybe you didn't do before? Like, are you going to take on like a, a veteran hat maybe and mentor young guys? Like, I guess, how does that look for you now, now that you're in a new org and starting over?
0: Well, I think one of the, the big things is, you know, my jobs, sorry, wife said it out. I got to give her a laptop. Oh. oh, it's all good. She's headed home. Our dogs are outside, so <laughs> she's got to go take care of it. Um, I think, the big thing is i've always tried to give any knowledge i have to anyone who will ask right and i think that's the veteran like leadership that guys talk about and it's but i've done that in, when i was and got called up to double a for the first time right and someone gets called up to double a and they're like okay well, how does all this work because it's at least it was the first time that like you packed your bags in the locker and then someone transported it to the bus for you. Right. And it's like, that's a huge deal. You get, you feel like you're a king now. And it's like someone who just got called up was like, what do I do? And I'm like, okay, this, this, and this. Right. And then, you know, we would, we were constantly talking, pitching in the bullpen, but I think my number one goal in going an organization is get, get back to the big leagues and help the team win. I think, you know, yeah, I've been around and have, pitch in multiple organizations and this is my eighth ninth year, whatever it is in pro ball. But I mean, my goal is not to be a veteran leader in AAA. My goal is to pitch in the big leagues and help win a world series and, and do what I can for whatever organization I'm with. And I, so I think that's the number one goal is, you know, prove that like, I'm not a AAA veteran, right? Like I, I don't want to be labeled as that title when I'm done playing. Um, I want to be you know, the guy who was like, Oh yeah, I, I remember facing him in the big leagues. Like he was nasty. Like he was good. And he, he came after for you. He, he attacked you. He wasn't a fun at bat. And so I think that's my number one goal. And within that, it's like, you know, while I'm there and while I'm, you know, in AAA, it's like, how can I help the next generation? Right. So that's kind of a secondary thing is like, you know, a, I think the biggest thing in what I was taught when I first got up to AAA was like veterans aren't going to go up to you all the time and just teach you everything they know. You got to talk to them. You got to ask, you got to talk baseball. You got, you got to be around it. We're around the game all the time. So learn as much as possible. Right. And ask questions. Like there's no such thing as a dumb question. And so I think that's kind of a secondary thing, but my number one thing is get back to to the big leagues and be a, be a major league arm for the next you know, six, seven years.
1: I have a speed run of questions for you that I think we can get through in less than five minutes if you're if you're about it.
2: The key, though, is less than five because Andrew keeps saying I can get it done at less than five.
1: I we'll get it done in that. like three, but it's... No, you have, you have not done three minutes yet.
2: But <laughs> I have an idea, too, on some of the questions, so I may have a follow-up or two after his lightning round, so that way we can see if he gets within the five. So. Let's do it. All right. Let me set the stopwatch. Hang on.
1: Are you, are you ready for this, Stephen? It's something I've incorporated. It's a newer concept I've done, and I think it's going over pretty well.
2: All right. Let's do
1: it. All right. Chris, you got the stopwatch?
2: i got to reset it. I thought you were going to speak. Oh, Sorry. All
1: right. Movies, shows, or live TV? Shows. What is the best game you've ever played in in your professional career?
0: Oh. Best game, probably, oh, I don't even know. I'm, I'm making this horrible. My best personal performance was San Francisco of 22.
1: Okay. Um, what song will be the walkout song in 24 and why? Uh,
0: Bury My Bones. Um, I think it's just, it kind of gets me in that like outlaw mentality.
1: Cool. Okay. All right. By the age of 35, you want to have accomplished what?
0: World Series win.
1: So if there was one rule in the MLB or the minor leagues that you could change, what would it be? Fair. That's the first time we got that one. Favorite athlete athlete outside of baseball.
0: Hmm. Jimmy Johnson, NASCAR.
1: Legend, uh, favorite TV show
0: of all time. Of all time. Probably life below zero. Never heard of that one. Gotta gotta
1: look that one up. Uh, Weirdest baseball superstition that you have or that you've seen in person.
0: I don't have any more. I did though. I stopped it, uh, Late last year was uh, right sock on left foot, left sock on right foot.
1: That's our second one in a row of that. Yeah, it's a
0: weird, okay. weird thing.
1: I think Nick Robinson said the exact same thing. Um, all right, this one might be a tougher question. Um, who is the player that you've played with or against that you that's left you thinking like, damn, they're the best player I've ever seen in person? Degrom. Can't that's, argue with that.
0: Yeah, it's it's a joke so what is a guilty pleasure of yours guilty pleasure a uh, chips I got like most people have sweet tooth like I have like salt tooth and like crunch tooth. like chip potato chips are if they're around like if we have them in the locker room like I'm crushing all of them probably like I've had to come into the locker room with chips because I was like I crushed all these so sorry <laughs>
1: I want to a new nutritionist find that out. Yeah. Um, what well, what is the most stressful part about owning restaurants? Everything. Yeah, I picked the the most stressful part. You're like, oh man, I that thing.
0: Just, uh well, first, I don't own them. My wife owns them. I'm a free employee. Okay. Um <laughs> But I would say Like, I think her answer would just be, like, I would say the, uh, like, trying to make everyone happy and trying to do food items that everyone enjoys because it's not like a, you know, it's not like a sports gym to where you're only... Trying to make the athletes and and that happy. Like, you have to make food items for every single person in every single diet. So, I think that that would be the, but I don't know. I don't own them. Okay. Fair. Day to day. My most stressful thing is making sure I don't screw it up so she doesn't yell at me.
1: Fair. (laughs) <laughs> all right we're gonna be on a food kick here food questions i got all three right. of them favorite fast food fried chicken chain
0: chick-fil-a uh yeah Chick-fil-A.
1: Chick-fil-A. uh zaxby's was the correct answer um raising while we're cane. on, yeah. raisin canes good while we're on the chicken kick are you drums or flats guy probably
0: probably drums I like flats, but I think drums, you get more meat out of it. So
1: you may have already answered this one with the chips answer, but what's your go-to pregame snack? Is it the chips?
0: No. uh, I would say go-to pregame snack would be like a – probably a peanut butter and banana and honey sandwich. If I'm like – if I'm dragging, I'm like, I need some energy. That's my go-to.
1: All right. Worst topping to put on a pizza?
0: Pineapple.
1: Ooh, it's controversial, man. If I dunk,
0: um, it's 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 horrible.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, final question of the speed round. I don't. I may have went over five. I'm sorry about that, but just five oh six. Okay. All right. Well, this one doesn't really count to the speed round, but I just I did want to hit on it because I know Chris has a question about uh, your beloved favorite football team um to finish us off probably but i was looking at i don't know why i was like i watched this video before you hopped on you got hit by a comebacker in oakland this year i think it hit you like right here i yeah, think it, it got me right here what does that feel
0: like um it felt like getting a football helmet to the elbow like it hurt but it was like all right whatever um the big thing was so when our trainer said like if my elbow was straight it shattered everything in my elbow but luckily it was bent and so i got lucky and it hit everyone thought it just hit me in the back but it actually hit my elbow first and i was actually ready to go and wanted to throw another pitch and then Lindor pointed to it and told buck to look at it and then i had a few laces on it and they were like all right you're done they're like there's no point in risking it but x-rays came back negative and it was all good and
1: so yeah. All right, Chris, floor's yours to to yeah, end I, us off here.
2: So I'm gonna just jump back to the food theme because you were talking about your wife's restaurant, uh, Brand 44 North. Yep. yep. And I scoped out the menu earlier before we yep. came on the podcast, and obviously I'm on the opposite side of the country, but I love the Benedict uh, menu you guys have. Yeah. Like it is impressive. I honestly, I would try them all. The smash Benny is the one I'm the most interested yeah. in.
0: Yeah.
2: So I, I like when I go to restaurants and they have a brunch menu or a breakfast menu, and they have different takes on the Benedict, my yeah. favorite breakfast. So the if I was to go there, the smash yeah. Benny would be the one I'd I'd get. I'd get.
0: There, there's no wrong choice. Um, I try to stay humble with it, but my wife knows food. And she knows the restaurant industry, and I'm confident saying we have the best br- breakfast restaurant in Central Oregon. And like if you if you come, bring your appetite. Uh, and sh- how she has that place dialed in is impressive. Uh, that our favorite saying is, "You can go there every day of, of the week and get something different and fall in love with a new menu, new menu item." So.
2: No, I, I like that because I, I, I'm like, I'm not like a massive foodie, but I definitely like to try new places. And yeah. when there's that brunch breakfast menu, yeah. I go right for the Benny's. And if you don't have a Benny on your brunch menu or breakfast menu, kind of lose points with me there. Um, the corned beef skillet sounded really good. That yeah. was on the menu. And the bucking Burger. Only because I feel like when people order it, if they might've had a couple of cocktails or two, I bet you that it doesn't come out as bucking when they order it. But those are the few things that kind of jumped out at me. I'm not a, I'm not a Bloody Mary guy, but do you guys do a good Bloody Mary to pair with the breakfast? The best. Okay.
0: Um, so the corned beef, like a lot of people, especially out West, it's kind of like, it's, re- it's really like mashed in. Well, we have, we have leave chunks. And so you actually get like chunks of corned beef uh, instead of be it all just mixed in together. And so we did; she did it up right with that. Um, yeah, it, working as like a food runner and while she's expoing, I mean, there's we get everything right. So everything is ordered. Like it's not like like we have our hot like the John Wayne casserole is my personal favorite. Um, instead I of the pancakes in it, right? No, that has the uh biscuits on the bottom with our john wayne cast or john wayne uh mix on top with peppers cheese all sorts of, i mean it is what's the one that had the pancakes i was reading uh, like 17 different items maybe <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm, right,
2: not, right. I'm, only, I'm not a big pancake person but it just yeah uh, and then she does
0: the stuff stuffed french toast that changes every week oh, man. Um, i think this week's a chocolate covered strawberry for valentine's day mixed with the uh, vanilla.
2: Okay. So well, we, if anybody's listening and they're on the uh, West, Coast, <laughs> yeah. Oregon, definitely yeah. I would check it out. I mean, like I said, I went to the menu. Yeah. The last time we, we recorded, you were talking about how you were helping her and you kind of get it. I, did you guys have two restaurants? Was it two?
0: Yeah. So we, we have the pump house bar and grill, um, which is a restaurant that kind of, doubles like whenever people hear bar and grill they're expecting it to be a bar and it's like it's not like a a college bar or it's not like a bar it's a restaurant so we have a diner like diner feel on one side that's like families and and that and then you go through our swing doors and it opens up to the bar side of it but it's it's all tables like people you come for dinner and then, you know, we have our lottery and, you know, past eight o'clock then yeah, it kind of turns into a bar scene, but it's not, it's a country bar with, without the fights is how we kind of <laughs> explain it.
2: Oh, no, it sounds like a good vibe. That's um, okay. Uh, you mentioned TV shows. I'll be honest with you. I've, I'm not familiar with Life Below Zero, but I do want to ask you, what are, what are one or two shows that you're doing like right now? before like obviously spring training is going to change that but what's what's so gonna- I
0: watched uh w. Lawman Bass Reeves okay um so I'm very very I, I've started about thought about starting my own podcast with it um just kind of on the history and being a very like but there's a lot of controversial topics that I I think you have to cover when you do that um and so I don't think I'm going to just because of that and also the time it takes to do a podcast like that is absolutely insane um a research based thing but uh so deputy lawman bass reeves is a one that i just finished uh, the other night um accuracy wise it is all over the place not even close but entertainment wise it was good um the other one what was it oh avatar like yeah. the last airbender like the og old school Nickelodeon. and mm. I, I don't know why but i got into that and i've been crushing that and so i'm on the last season of that i don't know why what made me get into it i think i just saw it on instagram and was like you know what i'm bored let's do it
2: <laughs> yeah i started up uh well uh i'm a, I'm a big larry david fans so kirby enthusiasm just came back out it's on hbo um the first episode was sunday night and i've been doing they got a different podcast now with that so i've been hitting that up my last one-off question and then i'll kick it back to andrew you had some custom cleats made that i saw on your instagram yeah. how did that come about you know what i mean like it, it was cool because it's definitely it's definitely your theme because you're big into yeah. hunting and outdoors and it, it kind of it covered you to a tape
0: well i think it was more trying to cover brand forty four. And so right across the way from both of our restaurants is Smith rock national park. Um, and that is, you know, a big staple out here. And so it was getting that on a cleat and showcasing brand 44. And, you know, the elk is a big kind of logo symbol for us. We have elk antlers throughout the restaurant. And so I wanted something that kind of would kind of tie all that in there and also kind of, Blend in to where you know it doesn't stand out. We have so many things that stand out in the restaurant rodeo posters, uh, elk antlers. We have a claw machine, we have all this stuff. And it just, uh, she has my jersey in there that we framed, um, that kind of has the community tie into it. And so I wanted to get cleats to go right below them. And then she moved the jersey to Pump House. So I, I guess I gotta get Pump House, uh, <laughs> cleats made now.
1: Well, Stephen, we have I think we have like two more minutes before we uh, we gotta hop yeah. off. But I did want to I wanted to ask you Super Bowl obviously this Sunday. I know you you're big Lions guy. We um, through and through Lions guy. I I know a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon this past year. Yeah. Um, it had to have been fun to watch that run for you. But yeah. I want to know are you going to be watching the Super Bowl? And then I guess quick thoughts on I guess just how it ended for the.
0: Uh, I I mean, I'll, I'll watch the Super Bowl, but I'm not going to be bought into it at all. Um, I just I, – I, I can't. Um, but I think the Lions season turned out exactly at least what I expected it to be. I knew we were going to be really good, even though people may have said, oh, we're, you know, you're going to make playoffs, but that's it. I was like, no, I was like, I, I like our – I really like our team. I really like our offense. You know, I think the big thing is our defense stepped up huge in playoffs and when they had to throughout the season. But the fourth down call instead of kicking a field goal and everyone saying how Dan Campbell made a poor decision, he's been doing it all year. If you watch Lions games, we were going for it on every fourth down. It didn't matter. We weren't playing for a tie. We were going for the win. And when he made that decision, I was like, I'm not surprised. Let's go. And when it didn't work out, I said, okay, we live and die by it. Like Dan Campbell's my head coach, Jerry Goff's quarterback. I'm pumped to get Ben Johnson back as our offensive coordinator, and I'm fi- I'm fired up for next year. And I looked at the Super Bowl leak, and our colors are in it. So Lions Super Bowl next year, done deal.
1: I did see the Honolulu blue on there. I think yeah. it was them in the Browns colors. I think was that Cleveland. I don't know what the
0: orange means, and I don't care. Lions are in the Super Bowl, and we're gonna win. That's that.
1: All right, man. Well. <laughs> um, like I said, when we had you on last year, there was uh, I think the Lions like went like undefeated maybe after that. Like I, I forgot what Wait, it had happened. Like seven was, and one. Ever yeah, since
0: crazy. We, now it's we're going to go like 27 and 0, but we'll
1: see. Yeah. All right, Stephen. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you for uh hopping on. I know you got a busy schedule before you're going um, with the restaurants and, you know, just getting ready to to drive across the country. So, good luck with that. Um, i i hope we don't see you in in Worcester this year i know rochester's there early early june i yeah. hope you're not in Rochester so <laughs> but if so we will see you then but uh like thank you so much for hopping on
0: thank you for having me on it's always a good time